Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to yet another episode of Colton Classic Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and discuss them both. Uh, I'm really excited for this pairing. I'm always excited for the pairings. Uh, what, what am I saying? Uh, but uh, first, let's introduce ourselves. I, of course, am your host, film critic and comedian Nate Wyckoff, and we have with us longtime contributor Jeff Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Yes, he had a nice little break from us, and I'm glad that he's, he's back in the fold. And uh, I think I picked the two perfect films uh, for him to come back on. And then we have a longtime contributor as well, Greg Johnson. How are you doing, Greg? Oh, you know, Nate, I'm uh, fresh off a of breakup, so I'm single and ready to uh, internalize everything as doubt and self-hate, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. It was all your fault. Uh, well, well, obviously. It so. was the podcast fault. Breaking families apart <laughs> since 2019. Uh, yeah, no, very excited to have you guys here. Uh, so this, uh, the pairing that we have for this week, I like to call um, a match made in heaven, Hasselhoff and Blair. We have two films that feature the acting talents of both David Hasselhoff and Linda Blair. Um, I know that a lot of people are surprised that they appeared in multiple projects together, but they certainly did uh, in the late 80s, especially. And these two, I, I think, are a really interesting selection. And we'll talk about why we're going to get a little bit of flack i think as i have in the past yes i choose most of the the pairings because they're going to say neither of these movies are mainstream films uh i'm gonna i'm gonna push back a little bit because uh our first film bailout from 1989 it was released uh in 1990 in most places so a lot of people will say it's 1990 but it finished production in 89 uh they will say that that's not a well-known film. Well, it's not a well-known film. It is a mainstream film. It was intended as a mainstream vehicle. Uh, and we'll, it's, it's sort of an action buddy comedy. It's very much in line with like a lethal weapon light. Uh, <clears throat> we'll go into the plot. And so that's our mainstream film. And then we have uh, next week, we'll touch 1988's film, uh, right the year before bailout, Witchery. Uh, this has been released on several titles, including Witchcraft. It is not. Um, there's another uh, witchcraft film of this time that spawned a million direct-to-video sequels. Um, it's not that. It's actually La Casa 4, part four in uh, the Ghost House series, an Italian film series, uh, which features some Italian cast members and some American cast members. 
So we'll talk about that for next week. And this week, again, we got Bailout. Very excited. Uh, we actually, this is one of those movies where uh, several of our other contributors watched it uh, and we're excited to talk about it, but then for whatever reason, couldn't make the episode. I'm talking about Tad Mastroianni. So I just want to throw that out that he really enjoyed this film. Uh, and so let's, let's talk about it. Diving right into the plot is, uh, it's kind of, I'm not going to say convoluted, but it moves briskly, I think. And there's a lot of characters at the onset. Um, this is a trait shared in witchery, but I think that Bailout probably does a better job here. It opens up and we find that, sure enough, it is about uh, bail bondsmen. These are the people that will, you know, uh, that work for bond companies. The, the bail bond is set pretty high, so you get arrested, say, they're like $20,000 bail. So that has to be paid in order for you to, to leave um, the jail for and wait for your court date. Uh, so these bail bonds people, you see them all the time in places like California and Los Angeles, certain districts, especially. These are the places that are open 24 hours and they're kind of like legalized loan sharks. Uh, they give big amounts of money uh, for people to get out. And then they actively make sure that you make that court date because uh, they don't really get paid if the person uh, out on bail does not get their court date. So, <clears throat> or they, they skip bail is what they call it. So uh, anyway, we've got three people here in this movie that are the bail bondsmen who are sent out for questionable amounts of money to go make sure these people attend their court date. Now, in theory, this is just knocking on their door and giving a piece of paper and say, hey, remember your court dates tomorrow. You're going to be there, right? Cool. And then they come and pick them up that day or whatever. But oftentimes people don't want to go on bail. So you get like the dog, the bounty hunter scenario, right? Where, you know, they've got a Ziploc bag over their head and they're trying to drag them out of the house. It's a little extreme. In this one, of course, things are a little extreme. We have David Hasselhoff playing White Bread, also known as WB, and uh, his partners, he has two partners. Uh, one of them is played by Tony Brubaker, uh, who is a great actor. He played um, lots, he was basically, he's a stuntman. Um, actually, both Tony Brubaker and um, the other uh, the other partner, Thomas Rosales Jr., they both are actors, um, but they're also primarily stuntmen. And Tony Brubaker is even, he's started stunt work in 1970, and he's still doing stunt work today. Uh, <clears throat> I think he's, I sort of think of him as like a, a, another Fred Williamson character, a really uh, excellent actor, very charismatic on screen, you know, large black individual. And in this, he plays an ex-football player who we don't know why he quit football to become a bail bondsman, but that's the implication. Um, so he's in there as well as Thomas Rosales Jr., who uh, has, he was Vinny in Speed, uh, if anybody remembers that. And like I said, he does stunts still as well and works on stunt coordination and things. You hear me saying stunts a lot. Well, it's because the director and writer of uh, this movie, Bailout, is uh, a stunt choreographer and stunt person himself. Um, let's see. And the reason, and I, I assume that he cast a lot of the people he worked with. Uh, Max Clevin is his name. That's with a K. And uh, he's worked on Spider-Man 2. He's worked on uh, I think he worked on Pirate, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean. He's a stunt coordinator and actually a second unit director for action scenes. So he directed a lot of big budget action scenes, and I believe he still is. Uh, so he's actually quite a competent director these days. You 
you have to be in order to direct scenes for you know a, a Spielberg movie or another lar or a Raimi movie, another large film that has these big intense action scenes. They they want it to be seamless. They don't want to have a huge different directorial voice uh, or 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 bad editing uh, in in shots like uh, we might get into into witchery. So. <clears throat> Lots of stunt people acting here. And uh, yeah, so Thomas Rosales Jr. plays um, their, their, we assume Mexican friend, their, their Latinx friend, uh, who they call Bean, uh, affectionately, affectionately racist. And um, Tony Brubaker, they call Blue because he, I think he is a police officer uh, of some kind, uh, or, or he, he, he's a private investigator. He has some sort of police connection. Uh, he's able to run plates, things like that. I think he actually is a policeman. And then uh, WB Whitebread, David Hasselhoff is sort of the brains of the operation. What's really cool about this is it becomes kind of a Mission Impossible vibe where each of them have these little roles and, and parts of the missions that they do. And it, it has, uh, I say Mission Impossible, it has a really strong A-team vibe. Um, it feels like a, a, a higher budget television production. There's explosions, there's gunshots, there's bullet holes, there's screaming, but there's also these like quips that for the most part your family could enjoy, although a couple of them, the language does get a little saucy occasionally. Uh, the plot is in this particular case, there is a socialite heiress who was in a car with a, a guy she turns out just met and the car goes, I can't remember if it crashes or something happens. Uh, the guy is killed uh, or, or taken uh, to jail. I think he's killed. And there's a ton of cocaine in the trunk. And uh, two cartels, a South American cartel, a Colombian cartel, and um, an Iranian cartel uh, are want that coke. And what happens is the, it's a little murky, but it sounds like the Iranians actually the ones that caused the crash as sort of a setup to, to mess up the Colombians. The Colombians though, they go to this heiress's father and say, hey, you had something to do with this or she had something to do with this. We want that coke or we want $5 million. Um, and so they kidnap her and say, give us $5 million for this loss. Well, they don't necessarily have anything to do with it. But in the meantime, as leverage, they're like, fine, we'll keep her alive. We're gonna be using your warehouses to move our product and you have a week to get us the money. So the bail bondsman ends up, uh, these, this team of three end up going all the way to Mexico to rescue Linda Blair's character, who's the heiress. Hijinks ensue, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, there are some twists and turns. I'm not going to say that they're really clever twists, but they're plot twists. Like they're, they're, they're pacing twists, okay? So action erupts out of nowhere. And it has one of my favorite lines of any film this year that I've watched, uh, which is, when David Hasselhoff first gets pushed out of the way and Linda um, Blair is pulled into a van by some rough looking fellows and the guy's like, like, get out of here, fuck face. And that's not my favorite line. My favorite line is after, after WB gets in his car and calls his comrades to tell him what happened and he's trailing the vehicle, the scene ends and he just stares out the window as he's driving and goes, I can't believe he called me fuckface. And that just goes to the next scene. It's one of the best lines in any movie ever. And the fact that it's David Hasselhoff saying it just made my heart like just pour out love. Um, so let's dive right into our, uh, our distinguished panelists' opinions. Uh, let's start with you, Greg. Um, what were you expecting from Bailout? And then what did you feel after you've watched it? 
Um, well, I mean, I wasn't really expecting anything. Um, I've never really seen a David Hasselhoff film. Maybe I've caught an episode of Baywatch once. So I was kind of up for whatever. Um, I did watch Witchery first. Um, so that definitely set a tone. Um, I'm happy to see that Bailout was was uh, quite a bit more coherent um, on the whole. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm looking at my notes here. I actually did notes this time of, um, I don't know how the fuck David Hasselhoff and Linda Blair were more charismatic in this film where they don't know each other at fucking all before they meet versus in witchery. They're supposed to be like a pseudo estranged, like married couple. But in this, so in witchery, his girlfriend isn't Blair. His girlfriend. Oh, is it not? And the pregnant woman is Blair. So it's it's interesting. Okay. I feel like bailout, they have they communicate, like they end up building somewhat of a rapport. And in witchery, they almost have zero interactions, even though they occasionally are in the same room. (laughs) Well, my point still stands. (laughs) But um, but okay, thank you for clarifying that. Because I was was like, is this like I have no idea what I it's guess forgivable what the fuck because Blair in looks these like, movies, so. everybody. It's forgivable because everybody in these movies has insane feathered '80s hair still. Yeah, uh, in, including most of the men. So it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, "Who am I looking at?" And also, Witchery does have, uh, which I think most of us watch, an HD or a higher resolution transfer. But it's it's worth it to say because spoiler alert: I actually really liked Bailout. I thought it was fun. <laughs> um, it deserves a better transfer. I have the best transfer that is currently available at Market, which is a horrid direct VHS to DVD transfer. Um, it's it's muddled. Um, half the, there's several scenes where at a strip club, it's where they meet to kind of discuss things. And in the background, I'm like, I can't tell if that woman is fully nude or fully clothed. Um, this transfer. <laughs> there's a lot is, of that in this that film. DM. A lot of uh, David Hasselhoff walks into a room. Some woman is inexplicably nude. He yep. is befuddled by the whole thing. And what I, are we doing I here? I think it's just ad libbed. I think that's just David <laughs> Hasselhoff's life. Like, I mean. He's a six foot million guy who's very fit, very handsome, blue eyes. I'm pretty sure that's just what happens. David Hasselhoff walked into a room and there was a nude woman. Um, I also but, wanted. Oh, oh, I, I, I had to say, though, I did. I did have a note here of is David Hasselhoff just Adam West? Like just really chiseled Adam West because like how he delivers lines. Sure. I real like like the whole kind of like he stammers a little bit before he says something really suave. Um, he just kind of has that like presence of I know I'm the best looking man in this room, but I haven't fully come to terms with that yet. I, I think you're I think you're right. And I think it actually speaks to what I love about David Hasselhoff. And uh, I, I made my wife watch this film as well. And, um, and she was much less angry after watching this one than she was after watching Witchery. Uh, but it's one of those things where she's like, why wasn't he in more movies? Because he did a handful of these movies, but he didn't do a ton. And a big part is that he had uh, he did mostly TV, right? Like he was on Night Rider forever with the Kit, the Talking Car, and then he was on Baywatch. Um, so he had a very successful uh, television career, and movies sort of, you know, work around that. But I do think it's it's kind of sad because I think what you're getting at with the Adam West thing, he has this sort of self-deprecating, goofy vulnerability that is unusual for a very large, fit lead actor. Um, it's like how uh you know it's jason statham a little bit jason statham in snatch 
versus Jason Statham in The Transporter. You know what I mean? Like, or how- I mean, it, it's uh, Chris Pratt and Parks and Rec versus Chris Pratt and Guardians totally. of the Galaxy. Absolutely. Like- you know, absolutely. Like, um, and I think, and we do get kind of a bit of, you know, Star Lord from James Gunn. Oh, it comes back to James Gunn um, <laughs> series in this where he's a goof. And I actually like in Bailout, he's not the strong man right? Like, he's not the, like, we actually get Bean, the smallest man in the group, um, you know, who actually is the weapons guy. He gets got the explosives, he's got the guns, and he always has it in this little, like, day laborer toolbox that he carries with him, which is kind of a great touch. Um, Let's go to Jeff. Jeff, what were you expecting when I assigned Bailout versus uh, now that you've watched it? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about expectations. So, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm getting my phone blown up by our buddy Tad, you know, fellow contributor, uh, you know, going on about how amazing this film is. Um, expectations are, are dangerous, right? <laughs> when you go into something <laughs> thinking it's going to be amazing, it'll often disappoint you. Um, so for the first few minutes, I was like, I was like, just confused. Uh, but then I settled in. I kind of forgot my expectations, just enjoyed the film. Um, so I, I went in thinking that it was going to be you know, a little bit more special, um, but I think it was just um, maybe more in the pocket. It was just, you know, good charismatic perform- performances. I love Hasselhoff. I think what you guys were talking about, like, you know, why isn't he in more films? I think he's good in TV. I think that like really plays to his, like you get a lot of time with him. Mm-hmm. He's just like, you know, hanging out, like, you know, having a, you know, good time with your buddy Hoff. Cause he's, he is like a charming, you know, kind of, uh, he has that kind of down to earth kind of feel to him. Like he feels like he's um, he, 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 like, like Greg said, he, he didn't know that he was, you know, the most gorgeous man in the world. So mm-hmm. he like, you know, he treats other people like they're equals. And, um, sure. and I think you can feel that in his performances. Um, yeah. I, I like that. Um, I, what, and I, I guess it's interesting too, that Linda Blair and he were paired uh, in projects because although she has much less of a role, uh, she has a bigger one in this than I feel she did in Witchery. Um, and she's kind of a great foil to him because she's got a similar vulnerability. I mean, you know, she of course became erupted into fame um, when she played Re- little Regan in The Exorcist. Um, but even as she as she grew older, she has this childlike appearance. You know, I mean, she's beautiful. She has this killer body, but her face always has she always looks like little Reagan, right? She's got this uh, childlike appearance and she's very tiny. And so when you have David Hasselhoff, who's sort of this good natured guy, doofy guy in this, and then you get um, Blair playing the sort of the opposite, the baby faced, but streetwise person. Um, it was a night, it works well. Like I saw where they were going with this because there's this great scene. Yes, we all know where it's going, but I think they played it really well where he finally rescues her and he's taking her back to uh, somewhere safe. And she's like, look, can we pull over at that motel? I have to take a shower. I'm disgusting. And I mean, to be fair, she has worn the same clothes for like how many, a couple of days now. Um, and he can, she convinces him. And then she goes in, takes a shower and when he parks and comes in. She seduces him and says, take a shower. And then, you know, whatever. And, um, and of course he's like, Oh, okay and he takes his clothes off jumps in the shower sings badly which is very endearing and of course 
She just wants to steal his clothes so she can take his keys and, and take the car back to her dad's house. You and, know, I, I, I wrote down that she uh, dirty rotten scoundreled him yes. is what I made in my notes. <laughs> Very much dirty rotten scoundreled him. And it's one of those things where you just kind of, I kind of believed it because even though we saw it coming a mile away, Hasselhoff plays his character to the kind of point where he maybe wouldn't think with his head as much there and he's not totally stupid, but he's just really excited that this woman wants to have sex with him and is like, okay. And then of course this happens, you know, it is a very Andy Parks and Rec moment. Well, um, doesn't he, doesn't he have like, I can't remember if this is before or after to set up the moment where he's following her in the van or something and some like hot blonde in a sports car pulls up alongside him yeah. and says like, Hey, hot stuff or Hey, good looking or whatever. And he like, Oh, what? And like, like double takes yeah. over to her. And they're again, they're driving, you know, yeah. 60 plus on the freeway. <laughs> and he like, you know, misses double takes, exit. Yeah. <laughs> he misses his exit. Yeah. And, and that really sets his and character. Again, as my wife said, oh, it's just a day out for David Hasselhoff. Um, I think probably this is true. Um, and, and, you know, it's, well, let's, let's move. So I enjoyed this. I, I liked that Linda Blair had a little bit more of a role in this. And I like the little things like they're in Mexico and they're running away on horseback. He's like, where did you learn to ride a horse like that? And she's like, daddy's horse camp. And then she finally gets the gun and starts shooting back. He's like, where'd you learn to shirt like that? Daddy's shooting range. And you're just, it's just these, these cute little moments that sort of built the characters up with a minor, uh, with, you know, with limited um, material or, or dialogue and stuff. And I think that a lot of movies and you never hundred percent know until you talk to everyone, but I feel like a lot of movies, you can tell when people had a good time. And I do think for a movie like this, it especially pays off for the movie. As Jeff said, this is a movie that maybe it's nothing is shocking about it. It's an action comedy from the late 80s. Um, that said, there were a couple of times where I smiled. I genuinely laughed at the can't believe you called me fuckface. Like that cracked me up. Um, but there's a couple of moments where I genuinely smiled and I enjoyed the trends. And like when he is coming, his friends, he has to call his friends who just played a mean joke on to come get him naked at the hotel. And they refuse to pull up. They pull in like as far away as possible in the parking lot and wave him forward. And so he has to come out in like hotel towels and two like mature older women walk by and are like, hi, somebody's like, oh, hello, hello. Um, it's just these cute moments. Uh, and it, I, I was surprised because this movie is, well, you can get a DVD copy very easily. It's like $3 on Amazon, although you should support the little guy instead. Um, it's, it's by far better than a lot of other films that are more e readily available in higher transfers. And I really think this movie deserves uh, higher transfer and maybe some special features. I'm curious how this film came about because uh, Hasselhoff is listed as a producer um, and it's starring a high number of stunt people and directed and written by a stunt man. And we know from things like um, uh, army of the dead recently that, that, some people often want to act, get into the acting role themselves, but they don't, they're not given a lot of opportunities, you know? Uh, and so something like this is kind of uh, a rarity and I'd like to know more about it. I also think 
the script is pretty solid for this kind of you know popcorn film. I think that if you if you envisioned it with say instead of David Hasselhoff um, and Tony Brubaker, if if you thought of it if they'd pitched Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, you know to again pull the Lethal Weapon, this would probably be like an '80s classic um, because you know we have classics like you know Schwarzenegger's Commando and things or Stallone's Cobra, which fun films but they're not brilliant. Um, and I think this is far superior to those. Uh, so I, I do think that this movie, it's weird to me that it slid into obscurity. I do think money must have had an, a point on it. Because for example, when it was released on VHS, um, the cover the cover image, it's, it's an amalgamate composite image of different, of different scenes and stuff. The cover picture of David Hasselhoff is actually a promo pic of him from Knight Rider that they just cropped Kit the talking car out of. I mean, that's that tells me that there was not a huge budget going on for anything involved with this movie. So well, maybe you can clarify this um, to pull the curtain back here. Whenever we're uh, doing this podcast, I have the Wikipedia and the IMDb open up <laughs> just to kind of, you know, check myself here. Sure. Um, I couldn't find the Wikipedia or the IMDb for this film. I don't know if I just did a Google search wrong, but like it. Nope. I, so there is a, so there's a good reason for that. Um, and, and actually one that deserves mentioning, this is not the original title of the film. Um, Bailout is what it has been released under as well as Wings of Freedom, which cracks me up because Wings of Freedom has zero to do with this movie. Um, there is a mention of helicopter several times and there's one helicopter in it and they fly a plane at one point, um, but certainly no Wings of Freedom. Uh, but it, the original title is WB Blue and the Bean, um, which is sort of interesting because in that way, when I hear that title, and if you guys could see Greg's face right now, if you're watching the YouTube, <laughs> he's sort of losing it. WB Blue and the Bean, it's, I get that they wanted to go with like a fun vibe, like a buddy cop, like an A-team kind of thing. But WB Blue and the Bean, if I had seen that, uh, when I picked up this DVD, I probably would have passed even with maybe with David Hasselhoff and Linda Blair would have grabbed it, but I probably would have seen that and thought, oh, this sounds like uh, uh, an off BBC production of some dry um, stage play turned, you know, filmed uh, comedy of errors, and I'm not into it. Uh, that's what it sounds like to me. And I don't I think um I think BJ and the, what is it? Um, CJ and the Bear, BJ, I forget the name of that particular show, but I, I wonder if that's the vibe they were going for. Um, I also wonder if there were hopes that maybe this would be some sort of pilot. Uh, I think it's too polished of a film to be considered like a pilot because there's a little bit more money behind it. I don't think that your actual show could have compared with the few explosions and things that are in there. But that's what it feels like. So I totally understand what was, I'm sure, producer pressure to say do not call this film wb blue and the bean um, i don't i don't think any fucking marketing team on the planet could figure <laughs> out wb blue and the bean and <laughs> and who the fuck you're trying to pitch this to yeah so, right exactly so thank you whichever uh, executive decided that this would be bailout <laughs> instead yeah and like i said i'm not sure who pitched wing of wings of freedom um, this here's something that really needs to be mentioned as well. Uh, we get a very early career appearance, very briefly, of a good friend of the podcast, Danny Trejo. Um, Danny Trejo plays 
a a Mexican man who is in an airstrip in Mexico, uh, and and we just get shots of him answering a couple of questions from like a medium shot, and that's it. Um, but he's he's very young and very recognizable still, and uh, and I think this was. He started acting, I believe, in like 83, or at least that's when his credit roll start, um, or really 85 is when it picked up. And this movie is 89. So he's been in it for a few years, uh, but it's early for him. And uh, and it's just a joy to see that little moment, you know, like in Heart of Midnight, where um, uh, uh, Steve Buscemi plays the would-be rapist. <laughs> you know, it's like you see these moments of these actors in these really small character roles before they exploded into... Um, you know, like genre defining yeah. character actors. I mean, in fairness, people like Steve Buscemi and Danny Trejo need to grind it out before they get like a lot of roles. Cause you know, true. They're not yeah. the most attractive men in the, you right. know, in the they line. have a, dis they're distinct, right? So you, you get these really great moments out of them as actors, but uh, most people are not going to push for them to, to lead a project until yeah. they have their own fandom. And for a character actor, you know, we have our people, the character actors that we love, but we're film buffs, right? And people that aren't, they don't necessarily have that same attachment to um, the character acting field. You know, these people that fill out the sidelines of a lot of our favorite movies. So we're going to dive into recommendations here. Um, I'm going to start with Tad, since Tad's not here. Tad Mastroianni absolutely recommends this film. Um, I'm not sure uh, I'm putting words in his mouth, but I would say that Tad would say, if you liked um, the Barbarian Brothers vehicle uh, uh, double team, or double, double trouble, excuse me, that we reviewed not that long ago uh, when we also did Barb and Star, so that's a good it had a very yeah. similar feel sure it's like I just think, about that chemistry between the two brothers ex exactly they yeah, everybody this one was works just well chemistry. in this yeah. movie like that i think this one is a step above as far as production and script um it, it really is a cut above like this is you know this is closer to like brian bosworth's stone cold movie uh, if anybody knows that and i'm sure our list many of our listeners do then like um double trouble which was very low budget and sort of could have been a low budget TNT early nineties pilot for a series. Um, but it has that same vibe they're, they're, they Everyone seems to be having fun and it's nice. And nobody really dies that we know at all. Um, in fact, even the, even the Mexican man that directs them to the cartel's base, uh, who's dressed for some unknown reason, like a mariachi man, um, he's shot and he doesn't even die. Uh, they actually, carry him around with them for the rest of the movie essentially and then in the escapes with a bunch of cash so it's, it's just a nice happy film um, maybe a little bit of language but anyone could watch this uh, i say that knowing that there are scenes of um full nudity female nudity in this movie um i don't it's just it just doesn't seem offensive because it's such a little positive movie and i want to mention too because i think she's an underrepresented genre star um, Greg mentioned when David Asloff walks into a room, he's walking into the hotel lobby and he's like ringing the bell, like ding, 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 ding. And, um, hold on, hold on. And this woman says, and she walks out and she's just completely nude and, and signs him up for a room for like 15 minutes. That is Deborah Lamb, a very beautiful, talented actress who is still, um, acting. She's she she played that scene so fucking funny. So well. And the thing is, and it's such a, it's one of those roles where it's such a small role, but like. She's just, 
she nails it 100 percent um she is in uh, uh a, i mean she's doing so many films right now she's one of those who does a lot of these uh direct to video um she's got a, a million films in post-production right now but she was in bloodcraft in a small role uh 333 illuminati which is a short and also kind of entertaining lots of fan shorts she did a fan short for men in black called mib she did uh the fall of max Payne fan short in 2018 uh and then she's also been in some genre films our listeners may know like tales for the campfire too and uh all strippers must die is probably one of her bigger ones from 2012 uh but anyway so lots of little lots of character actors that you may recognize from from early on in their career in this movie uh i did tad's recommendation let's go to jeff jeff would you recommend bailout or wb blue in the bean as it's sometimes called uh and if so why i'll give it a pretty soft recommend uh i actually like this one less than the uh double trouble um i i did enjoy it there was definitely like a lot of charisma going on and that's really kind of what you're coming in for i could totally see this being um you know something that you know you you essentially you have these characters and you enjoy watching them together i could have totally seen this being like a serial television yeah. show or something um but um yeah you're gonna it, it, you know watch it if you just have a free night you're not gonna have a 40 minute conversation about it you're just gonna you know have a good time and then uh say goodbye there was one scene though that that amused the crap out of me that, that we didn't <laughs> talk about there was a a scene where david hasselhoff was carrying like a it was essentially like a flare gun um and uh <laughs> it it looks kind of just like a large flare gun that's kind of like like almost the size of a shotgun uh but there's just one shot where it basically looks like a, it, the size of a bazooka yes uh, <laughs> it's the most awkward like editing like why did they do that like i, I assume that they That's, like shot it a couple ways like to i think you're right and it's also worth noting that um david hasselhoff fires a flare in each of these films um i don't know why but i all i can think of is that maybe david hasselhoff was like i'd like to shoot the flare and they're like sure what the hell um but yeah, and I also want to mention that when he does that, it's at the helicopter near the climax where the villain is in it. And uh, he and and Bean, who's the weapons guy, says, aim for the rear rotor, which, uh, first off, I don't know how else off is supposed to aim at all because he'd have to be a physics expert to aim that thing. <laughs> but second, he certainly does not hit the rear rotor. The helicopter explodes from the cabin outward. Um, I don't know what, you know, nitrous gas was flowing through the cabin. Uh, but yeah, but that was, that was an interesting moment. There were a few continuity, um, yeah, continuity I, moments. That was just cause it was so huge. It was like, you know, it was like a little diameter, you know, like uh, maybe an inch diameter. And then like one frame, it was like a foot diameter too. It's just like, <laughs> it was really shocking. I had to watch it like several times. It was just, uh, uh we'd be like, Bruh. And I, I want to mention too, um, uh, the villain is played, the Colombian cartel lord is played by Gregory Scott um, Cummins, who is, uh, you, you'll be surprised at his filmography. He's been in a million things. He played the character Ryan in Cliffhanger, with Stallone. Uh, he played Luther, a uh, long running character in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, he was in Bosch. So he's, he's, been around a lot it's everyone in this movie has done has had a long varied career so 
Uh, good. Yeah, I get it. Greg, would you recommend Bailout? Uh, and if so, why and to who? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're into action films, this is, you know, it's fun. It's fun enough. It's, um, they definitely got some, um, some outdated racist lines in there. <laughs> um, I think they, they make some like line about like drivers and they use the term oriental um at one point so you know but it, it's it's nothing that really really fucking shocked me but it it wasn't great um but yeah it, it was fun enough um did either of you catch there's some weird line i think from uh you said her name earlier deborah um she, her character the said hotel. something yeah, she says something to David Hasselhoff's character about like, Deborah Lamb. Yeah, Deborah Lamb. Thank you about like Sam or something, and he gets back in the car yeah. and, he, and he turns to Linda Blair and he's like, "Do you know who Sam is?" And I'm sitting there and I'm like, "I don't know what the fuck goes, the joke he goes, is." Do you, he goes, "Do you know what Sam is?" And she goes, "Yeah, I know what Sam is." Um, and I think the joke is is that it's S and M oh um, okay that makes it, a lot more it took me and my wife i was like what the hell is sam was that like a common I, like way to describe us i, I back don't in the know day? i don't know maybe in the, in I the hope, 80s i hope i because because i'm seriously because i was like i was on urban dictionary like what filthy <laughs> fucking thing is this supposed to be um and it, we just discussed and i think it's s and m um and uh yeah so i don't but, but yeah all, all that to say um it's 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 a very funny film. It's um like you said earlier, I don't get why this doesn't line up with say Cobra or some of the more well-known 80s mm -hmm. action flicks when like it's it's well acted enough, it's funny enough, it's kick-ass enough. Like yeah. what do you want from this movie? I, I agree. I just think it's a lot of fun. I'm gonna give it my recommendation as well. And I wanna say too, my wife, my my wife coined this thing, it's progressively racist which is funny because like you said it has these typical 80s american racisms um, things like for example when um tony brubaker's character uh and and thomas rosales jr are in the car and they're chasing some of the colombian um drug people in these cars and they like shoot uh some sort of of smoke gun or something smoke grenade into the car and it goes very off and he's like smoked colombian the best kind or whatever and it's obviously like a coffee joke but it is also vaguely racist and like because they're colombians who are being smoked out it's just it's one of those things where you have a lot of those but then you also have these amazingly great moments where like bean's character like the character bean uses the every white person's um like deep set racism towards hispanic people and hispanic workers to his advantage in all of these like mission moments like when he's trying they're trying to track where the colombians went in all these industrial warehouse buildings so he goes to like the property management office and the secretary and is like oh you know i i i'm so sorry i'm supposed to come in and do like a, a spray for bugs for these guys and he's like i don't know they're they're like uh, uh or they're actually these are the iranians like the iranian like they, they're the middle eastern and like i need and i was like i had the paper but my kid he chew on it and she's like and it's just this like huge you know equivalent of um of of you know hucking and jiving and like bamboozled or something you know what i mean like this really performative racist moment and of course she like talks down to him and then gives him the thing and it's just so funny because and he does that several times where it's very conscious of the fact that 
racism exists and they're using it he's using it to his benefit and it, it's a nice it's it's a rare progressive moment in these movies because oftentimes especially in the the 80s and even the early 90s and even the 2000s unfortunately we had it was not surprising to hear like steven seagal's you know idiot that he is his lead character say something stupidly racist to another person or whatever um like watch samurai cop and like he just he's supposed to be a samurai and he's screaming you know asiatic racist slurs at the characters like and in this case we have uh, a white guy that they call white bread and then uh, a police officer who's a black man and this like weapons expert who is is this little hispanic guy and it's just a really nice diverse moment and you get some of these racist things so it's what we call it progressively racist uh and I, I think that that's a term that could catch on um but anyway so yeah so that's it guys for uh part one of our match made in heaven hasselhoff and blair uh we just talked about bailout 1989-1990 also known as wb blue and the bean which is greg's favorite way to just to, to call it check it out get the dvd it's only three bucks on amazon like i said um if you can find a better transfer than this horrible vhs transfer we have let us know um and if you're listening uh you know vinegar syndrome shout factory um kino labor any of any of your distributors out there try and get this movie it really deserves to be uh to be improved the transfer and to have these extra features i think there's a lot here and i think it would it deserves a, a new crowd of fans so yeah i'd like to watch it again and not be like watching scrambled porn uh, sure sure yeah. uh, and, might, and might enjoy it a little bit more and, and i agree and i think that you know and also just last thing i'll throw in they also good sets in this like i actually think they went to like a, a sex you know a sex themed motel like a 15 minute motel for because there's mirror on the cheap mirror on the ceiling mirror on the door and the strip club i mean not that i'm an expert but it appears to be an actual strip club in a bar as opposed to what is often the case in these movies which is like uh, a giant dance hall that they fit multi-lights and seven poles and i'm like that's probably not what these characters would be in it's this is actually a strip club it looks like a bunch of tables put together with uh some flock material on top so so people don't strip in high heels uh, or slip in high heels so props to them this is a uh, colton classic podcast i lost my train of thought there but we are going to follow up with part two of our match made in heaven david hasselhoff and linda blair series next week with 1989's italian horror film witchery so make sure you tune in and i cannot wait to bring it to you and also catch up with our mini shows which come out every friday where we talk about things that we like review things review movies do little extras to keep you tied tied it over until next week's episode leave a review wherever you get your podcast subscribe like share us with your friends that is the number one way for us to get more listens is for other people that you know to get your recommendation send us your questions emails requests all that stuff to colton classic podcast at gmail.com and feel free to send us hate mail for tad which i will print out and deliver to him uh via via hand thanks so much have a great day to play us out is the chud with all about evil
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.